friends, welcome back to another episode of the In No Hurry podcast. This is your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. Really happy to be back with you guys again for another episode. Before I introduce this week's guest, I'd like to invite you to check out my newsletter over on Substack. I am super excited about some new additions that Substack has added. If you guys have followed the news at all and have seen the chaos that's kind of going on with Twitter and the changes that are happening there, Substack is kind of trying to answer that and create sort of a dialogue type of platform through their newsletter system. And there's a new chat feature, which is really cool as somebody who creates the newsletter to be able to chat with my subscribers. And they're trying to create it where it's almost like kind of a mix between Twitter and a newsletter. And it seems really, really cool. And I'm excited to test it out. So if you're not subscribed already, check out my show notes. There's a link in there to subscribe to my newsletter. If you've never really checked out Substack, I definitely encourage you to check it out, especially if you're a writer or a creator. It's a really, really cool platform. This is not a sponsored ad by any means. I just really like their platform. I love the interface and the app is also super easy to use. So if you're just a reader, I highly recommend that you download the app because that's where you'll be able to use the chat function as well. My guest this week is Dr. Jennifer Thomas. She is an author and has recently co-authored a book with Gary Chapman, who many of you might recognize from The Five Love Languages, and also co-authored this book with Paul White. The book is called Making Things Right at Work, Increase Teamwork, Resolve Conflict, and Build Trust. Look, y'all, relationships are tough and they can sometimes be a tough thing to navigate in the workplace. And if you've ever had kind of an uncomfortable situation with a coworker, you know how difficult that can be to deal with on an everyday basis. And so I'm really excited about this conversation because that's literally what we're talking about the whole time is dealing with conflict with coworkers and conflict in the workplace and obviously doing it from a Christian perspective. And so this is a conversation that I don't really think I've had a topic like this on the show. So this is kind of a new conversation that I'm excited to share with you guys. I haven't really uh, delved into this idea really from a Christian perspective until this conversation. And so I'm excited for you guys to hear what Jennifer has to say and just the insight that comes from this book is awesome. So hope you guys enjoy this conversation. This is Dr. Jennifer Thomas co-author of Making Things Right at Work. Well, I am pleased to be joined by Dr. Jennifer Thomas talking about a topic that I am very interested to hear your insight on conflict in the workplace. Dr. Thomas, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Cole. I'm glad to be with you and I'm looking forward to digging into the topic today. I think this is definitely a topic that anybody listening has experienced uh, some form or another. Some, you know, can be a little bit more uh, serious issues in the workplace. Really, I think just conflict in general is an important topic to talk about because um, that's something I'm sure you can get into. We, in recent years, don't always do that well with how we handle conflict. And uh, there can be a lot of pettiness that goes on in workplaces. There can be a lot of infighting and that sort of a thing. I know I've definitely experienced that firsthand. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just walk me through, where did this idea come from? Obviously, you wrote this book with a couple other authors, but where did this idea originate from? And why did you feel like this was an important book to write right now? Well, this book grew out of my work with Gary Chapman. We co-wrote the Five Apology Languages book, 
And then we brought in his colleague, Dr. Paul White, a psychologist in Kansas, who has worked with him on the five love languages and, and applying it to the workplace. So appreciation at work is their title. And what we wanted to do is to um, marry the two concepts really, and to talk about um, how does appreciation help things go smoothly at work? And how do apology languages help when you have those inevitable offenses? And then we decided to broaden it out beyond um, apologies and talking about trust and conflict resolution and what teams can do in order to stay on track and be working productively. What have you found to be maybe the two or three, this may be too general of a question, but just the two or three general things that lead to fights in the workplace? Is it pride? Is it identity? Is it uh, envy? Just what are, what are some things that can lead to that? Because I know from my own personal experience, those have been the emotions that I think I have felt that other coworkers have felt, maybe you feel threatened. Um, but what is it? I mean, is it, is it just a matter of people don't jive with their personalities or uh, what, what have been kind of the, the main culprits to that? Yeah, I do think personality is a big factor, um, but also training is, is really key, like training leaders to not be um, hard-nosed or shaming, um, but teaching them instead to use um, gratitude with the people who are working with them. Remember to say thank you to people as you're working on projects together. And if you as a leader don't have anything that you can say thank you for right in the moment, um, then create a vision for what it is that you do want to see so that you will be able to express that appreciation um, to your colleagues and then their respect for that leader grows as well. Um, so yeah, personality is a big factor that we see. Also some habits that people get into. Um, I often see in my work as a workplace consultant that people will sometimes like make negative attributions is one of the things that we talk about, which is assigning negative intent or negative motives to someone else. So what that looks like is saying, oh, well, you know, he just wants to take all the credit or she's trying to make me look bad. Um, when you say someone's trying to do something negative, um, we're usually pretty confident about it, but we may be really, really wrong. <laughs> and it makes the relationships go off track really quickly. So uh, what we talk about is the first step in cleaning up your attributions is just being aware of that tendency that, that you or your colleague might have to um, question the motives of others and then applying that and, and being willing to step back and say, you know what, maybe they're not trying to take all the credit. Maybe they're trying to help move the team forward and I need to get on board and ask what I can do to help. Yeah. Another area where we see um, conflict arising is around unmet goals. And so it's really key to clarify what are the goals? Do we all agree these goals need to be met? What is the time frame for doing that? And then very importantly, what could go wrong? Mm -hmm. And how are we going to head off potential problems? So doing some brainstorming around project management is really time well spent, we have found. Yeah. And what happens if you don't do that work is you end up feeling frustrated and then you've got a whole fountain of conflict going on. And so I'd like to talk for a minute, Cole, about well, what does conflict look like in the workplace? Mm -hmm. um, and what we know is that it's inevitable. If you have people working together, there's gonna to be conflict. Um, and conflict isn't always bad, you know? 
Um, right. Sometimes we have conflict because we're saying hard truths that need to be spoken. Right. Um, but unresolved conflict is a problem because it creates a barrier between us and the other person or between us and the team. And those barriers build up over time that becomes like a wall. And if you don't have successful apologies and conflict resolution, then the wall is there in the middle of the floor where you're trying to produce something. And so um, what our passion is, is to help teams get those walls torn down and to rebuild trust so that the team can move forward together. It seems like in my experience that some of those issues that you're talking about, uh, there's, there seems to be a passivity from people to actually want to deal with conflict head on. You know, we're doing a lot of communication digitally, especially right now in a remote work environment, especially the past couple of years. And a lot of conversations happen over text messages. They happen over email where it's really hard to uh, infer what the tone means. And so I think right. that's partly where some of that, that, that negative attribution comes from. How much of that uh, do you deal with where you, maybe you're coaching to deal with those issues head on in person or even over a Zoom call where you can understand tone and body language and you're not just reading into words? Because I feel like in my experience, that's where a lot of my issues have come from. I've maybe been guilty of misreading somebody's intent through an email or maybe they've misread my intent over email because uh, maybe you're frustrated and you send an email, not meaning for it to sound harsh, but it comes off that way. Do you deal with mm -hmm. that in your coaching? And, and what are some strategies to deal with that to where maybe if somebody is uncomfortable addressing that face-to-face, -face, how do they break that barrier down to do that successfully? All right. Well, Cole, your point is really well taken, um, that our body language doesn't come across in digital media. And so that's why we've really got to go the extra mile to carry our voice into the conversation. When we just type out a text or shoot an email back, a couple things happen. Um, one, our voice is lost. So mm -hmm. they may put the most um, abrasive or annoyed tone of voice <laughs> or overlay over that message. So you don't want to let people do that. You want to maintain control of your tone of voice. Um, and then it's just, it's too easy to shoot off a fiery rant email that you probably should have slept on. Um, and then as we know from the World Wide Web, where there's, um, where we're not face to face with people, we can tend to be more harsh. Um, whereas if you see the damage that you're causing or the shocked reaction someone has, you may dial that back and soften it. Um, so it's, it's really crucial that people go um, either face-to-face -face or, or on Zoom um, or over the telephone if needed. And I made this point when I gave a TEDx talk here in my town, Greensboro, seven years ago. Um, I was talking about how important it is to get in the habit of stepping away from the devices and just go talk to the person. Um, what I say is that digital media it, that being texting or emailing is really only for communication that is neutral or positive. But once it moves into the negative territory and it's starting to get awkward, that's when it's really important to uh, wrap up the digital part and move to person-to-person -person communication. And so I encourage leaders to um, really train others in how to do that. And it, it takes a skill because you have to be willing to say, wait a minute, time out. 
what you're saying and what I'm trying to understand here is really too important for us to um, get into an argument over email or text. Let's get together and talk this out because I really want to understand what you're saying. Um, so interject something about how important that person and your relationship or your trust is, and then go and talk one-on-one -on -one with them so you can really get it worked out. I love that. I think that's it, inherently it's, it's assuming the best in a person's intentions versus assuming the worst, which ideally is what we all would do. Um, I do think at least in my experience, whenever I was younger, I, I, you know, I had a, a little bit of a chip on my shoulder in my early twenties and I just out of college. And I thought that I knew more than everybody and quickly learned that was not the case, but I remember just feeling like, you know, there was a time whenever I almost got an adrenaline rush of, spouting off against somebody. And then I realized how much trouble that can get in, get people into. And, uh, mm -hmm. that, that I think it's just, it's, there is a pride aspect of swallowing your pride and going to talk to somebody in person, because it can be a little uncomfortable. It can be embarrassing, but I think as you're getting at is ultimately that can be the difference of having a successful team versus an unsuccessful team. And that was another question I wanted to ask you is just mm -hmm. in your experience, both uh, consulting, coaching, and even being on teams, what are some characteristics of a, of a good team environment, I guess, from the leadership even down, because I've been a part of both where I've had really good leaders that have instilled uh, really good, positive uh, qualities into people. They've also been very good at constructive feedback. I think there's another aspect of that from an employee perspective of being able to be coachable, but what have you seen are some of the consistent qualities of a well-run and a, uh, a team that maybe avoids as much conflict as possible. Yeah. Well, first of all, I thank you for sharing, honestly, from your experience and your own growth. You know, that can be hard to admit that maybe we didn't come out of the womb with all the leadership <laughs> skills we needed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, there needs to be a role for coaches like me um, to come in and to help people get the skills that they didn't pick up along the way um, or to fine tune those skills. And what our team, which is the Gary Chapman team at Moody, believes are the two essentials for the most healthy place, whether it's workplace or home or with friendships, the two key skills are being able to express appreciation in a way that connects with the other person. And second, being able to express your mea culpas when you mess up yeah. in a way that connects with the other person. And if I take the second one first, um, what I wanna say about that is we've been trained maybe um, in how to try to resolve conflict, but not always in how to apologize. And I don't know that there's um, one right way for every person to apologize or every apology to be received. The new concept that Gary Chapman and I are sharing is actually that people have different things that they're looking for in an apology. And we did research on what are the things that the different people want to hear. And their answers fell into five categories. And we promised we weren't looking for five, although we know he really, he likes the number five. Um, but what was key about that is that I can't come to you, Cole, and say, okay, great leaders are quick to apologize. And they say it according to this one formula. Right. Um, what I really want people to take away today is the idea that each of us has an apology preference. We coined the term apology language yeah. for that way that you wanna be apologized to. 
And unless you have the time or inclination to use all five apology languages, what's most important is not to leave out the phrase um, or the actions that they really want to receive from you. Um, because the key word in apologies is sincerity. And if you leave out their primary apology language, the odds that they will perceive how sincere you are, are going to drop. Yeah. Yeah. As you're talking, I, I'm just thinking I'm a high school tennis coach. And so a lot of these team building skills are what we talk about. I and mean, obviously we want them to be good tennis players, but the idea of being on a team is valuable because they're going to be hopefully working in an environment where they're part of a community, part of a team. And much like in sports, there might be somebody who gets a position. Like I play, I, I coach tennis. And so we have a very strict it's ranking. I mean, you have number one singles, number two singles. There are times where somebody thinks that they are, um, maybe deserving of a higher spot over somebody else. Tennis is a little straightforward because they play and they beat each other. And then that's kind of the ranking, but in a, in a right. work environment, you know, when somebody maybe gets a promotion or gets a job that you felt you were qualified for, it can be challenging sometimes, I think, to, to, to work with that person and to remain, uh, I guess, a, a good teammate toward that person. Uh, so what, what have been your, um, experiences with that and how do how do you coach people through maybe whenever they're dealing with comparison or envy of their coworkers that hey this person got that job I wanted I still need to work with them and not be envious of that and not be you know a jerk to them what 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 are your studies shown you on that aspect of the work environment um you know that's a really important question I think a lot of it comes down to character Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I actually took tennis myself 10 years ago, awesome. love the game. Yeah. Um, and you know, you see character out there when you're calling the shots, you know, exactly. Yeah. In, out. exactly <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, people really, they'll respect you if you say, you know, I didn't see that clearly. So that's your ball. Like right. I can't call it out. So, um, you know, people will trust you more. And I, I think there are really three key factors with trust that we talk about. And they're the three C's in our book, Making Things Right at Work. We talk about characters the first. You've got to have integrity and you've also got to practice the golden rule or the platinum rule, um, whichever you prefer, but do unto others. And then you've got to have consistency in that. You shouldn't come in one day in a bad mood and ruin all the trust that you've built. You've got to uh, be the same person day after day, week after week, that they know they can rely on. Um, and on the one hand, to deliver the product, you know, that's what you work for, but also to deliver um, the relationship connections that help teams function well. And the third C is competence, that you've got to hone your craft, do what you do, do it consistently and without a lot of fanfare. And that is going to build the trust of your teams. Yeah, I think that's, there's definitely such a pride factor to this. And you said do it without fanfare. I think that's a, that's something that I've struggled with. That's something I know that friends of mine have struggled with, especially whenever you're in your younger years. Like I, I hope a lot of younger people, I mean, I hope people of all ages listen to this, but especially younger people, whenever they're out of college and they're early on in their career, it can be very tempting to feel like I've got this all figured out. I know all of the new ways and you know, these, mm -hmm. these folks who've been doing this for longer, aren't as hip as I am. And it can be very tempting to feel like I deserve that over that person. And it, it can be a pretty big reality check for some people, no matter what field you're in, uh, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I teach high schoolers and it's, it's, 
they, they come out of high school thinking that they've got the whole world figured out and they've learned pretty quickly that that's just not the case. So I, I guess I'll stick here on the, on the pride aspect of it too. I mean, I think, I know we've kind of touched on it, but just um, what, what kind of types of strategies can, you know, I, I told you my own story of just kind of how I realized I was doing things wrong. I was just kind of a self-reflective thing, but are there strategies that, Hey, you can recognize that maybe I'm feeling too prideful about my job and it's causing me issues at the workplace. What are some strategies mm -hmm. to negate that, to pull back and maybe uh, input more humility in your own work? Well, you know, it's a timely question. I'll share a bit about myself. I've got um, two kids, the oldest, um, actually backing up. I've got three kids, two <laughs> kids I was gonna say are in college. <laughs> Don't forget about the younger one, though. He's still in high school. So I've been in a sea of bright young people who are beautifully dressed and their parents are beautifully dressed. And, um, you know, they're receiving the wisdom from the graduation speaker. And, you know, I do think it's a challenge for young people to um, to not come off as arrogant um, and to have to use the good social skills that they've been trained in. Um, and one of the skills in life that's really important, I think, is building empathy. Mm -hmm. So we talk about um, that there's an empathy gap sometimes where um, I, I know what my challenges are and what I want help with, but I don't always put myself in someone else's shoes to figure out, um, well, if I were to come at this from their perspective, what do they need help with? It's back to the golden rule. Um, so that's the advice that I would give our young college graduates is to um, to take the eye out of it sometimes, you know, in terms of your needs or your wants, and to focus on the group and the communal um, aspect. As a psychologist, I'm, a, I'm both a clinical psychologist and a community psychologist. And what we talk about with the community is that the needs of the individual are secondary to the needs of the group. And I, I do think there's a skill that can be built there of being able to take the other person's perspective. And so that's one thing I would encourage listeners to do today is um, to really think about whether where other people are coming from and then to demonstrate that you understand that by restating where they are. Um, they say, you know, we have two ears and only one mouth, so we should probably listen twice as much as we speak. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you just watch what you're saying, how often are you starting with I? And could you instead lead off with you? Like you've said this is important or you said this is a stressor that you're trying to balance and what help do you need with that? How can I be of help to you? That's great. I think that that verbiage is really important. I know uh, like I've tried to, whenever, I, just a personal strategy I've tried to do is in teams that I've worked on whenever um, I maybe have done something, but you know, uh, there were some other team, team members that helped rather than using I changing that to we uh, so that it's not self-centered so that you're, you're actively giving credit to your teammates and the other people that work with you. And it's more about the organization than it is yourself. So I think those are, those are great strategies. Uh, I guess the last yeah. question here is, sorry, were you going to chime in on that? I, yes, that's well said. Okay, thank you. I didn't know. I didn't know if you were chiming in on that. Uh, the last question, I guess, uh, as we wrap up here, is you know maybe you've got a coworker that it, it's just it's not working out. Like you've tried strategies and you've tried to just kind of be. You, you've tried some of these positive strategies and 
for whatever reason, they don't want to play ball with you. Um, how do you navigate that? How do you, do you just continue to be nice? Do you just continue to, to work as well as you can and just accept that that person might just not um, want to play ball with you? Or, or how do you, how do you navigate those situations where you've tried everything and it just doesn't seem to work out with that particular coworker? Right. Yeah, this is a key um, topic that, that I'm glad we're going to touch on. And that is what, it, what happens when there's someone who's toxic at work um, in their relationship with you. Um, you know, sometimes it's the whole workplace that's toxic right. and you're, in those cases, you often have to leave, but what if it's just one person who doesn't seem to mesh with you? Um, and, you know, most of us have been through something like that, whether it's in the workplace or in personal relationships where someone just doesn't like you. And, you know, I think the first part of that life skill is to realize not everybody is going to like you. Yeah. Um, you know, you may have been adored in your family of origin or not, um, but that's not real life. And how can you handle um, being put down or um, feeling condescended to in the workplace? How do you swallow that? And I would say when I've experienced that, what I struggle with is feeling rejected. Yeah. You know, what's wrong with me? Why, why don't they like me? Why are they leaving me out of this? Why am I not getting promoted? Um, and so we need a, a place to go with those feelings of rejection and you know, that may tie in for some people with spirituality, like I can't look for acceptance from other people. I've got to look to my higher power for my yeah. security um, right. or look to God for some of that. And then um, how do you deal with a difficult person, maybe even a boss who's not jiving with you? Um, that's where I think it's important sometimes to bring in outside support, like if you have um, I, I would recommend not actually going to coworkers about it because you don't want to be gossipy. You don't want to create a triangle. I was just thinking that I I, would, I wanted to ask you about gossip and I hadn't, I know we're running out of time. So I'm glad you touched on it there. Yeah. Yes. We don't want to, the reason we call it a triangle is, you know, you and the other person are right. in a straight line. If you go to a third person, you create an unhealthy triangle, but sometimes there's a third person who could help. So you might think about, is there a, a peer to that person who could help navigate it with you or is there someone in HR if your company's big enough who could help you to um, be able to relate to them but ideally I would just start directly with the person again listen twice as much as you talk and find out uh, what are their expectations and how can you better meet them. I love all of that. So the book is called Making Things Right at Work. Where can people go to purchase this? And if people want to connect with you, I know you have a website and uh, what's the best way to connect with you and, and your other work? Yeah, so my website is drjenthomas.com. It's D-R-J-E-N-Thomas.com. And I have tabs there for um, buying the book. My TED Talk is right at the bottom of my home screen. And I have some free resources as well. People can take the five love languages quiz and the five apology languages quiz for free right there on my website. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for this insight. This was a, a really fun conversation and really uh, insightful to dive into this topic. So I appreciate your insight and taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you, Cole. It was a joy to talk with you. 
Well, many thanks to Dr. Jennifer Thomas for joining me this week. Hope you guys got a lot out of that conversation. I know I definitely did. I know that there is some practical insight that I will be taking to my own work environment, and I hope you will do the same. It's got me thinking, what was the most practical or or useful tip that I found? Obviously, all of them were great, but I'm trying to think of what would be the one that applies to my situation the most. So think about that for your situation. Leave a comment on the reviews on Apple Podcasts. Let me know what was the most practical or useful tip that she gave that you're going to take to your workplace. And as she mentioned, be sure to check out her website. All of her work is there. Links to her social media are there as well. Reach out to her. Let her know that you enjoyed hearing her this week on the podcast. As for me, you can find me pretty much anywhere on social media at Cole Claiborne. I would love to connect with you wherever you're active. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of that. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, I would love for you to subscribe to my newsletter, The Road Ahead on Substack. Check the show notes for the link to that. We'd love to have you over on that community. And like I said, with the new chat feature, it's really, really cool. It's a free app and you can subscribe to not only my newsletter, but others as well. There's a lot of really good writers on that platform and a lot of them have some really cool newsletters and other things. And there's some subscription models where you can pay to have some kind of inside information and behind the paywall type stuff. Uh, so some people have that and it's, you know, they got really cool things behind their paywall, maybe some other kind of giveaways, but check it all there. Uh, just download the app. It's free and it's a, just a really cool platform. But as always, thanks so much for listening this week. If you're new here, thanks so much for checking the show out. I hope you'll stick around for future episodes. But I hope you guys take some time to relax this week and not be in a hurry. We'll catch you next time.